0: Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people and lead in life. Enjoy the message. God, would you would you bless it? Would it be a house of hope, a house of refuge, a house of strength? God, would you come, God? Would you, everything that's been sown into this house for the last four years, God, like the bamboo that's underground, God. We ask for your favor. We ask for your blessing. We ask for your territory. Salvations, we ask that this is just a pillar of hope for such a time as this, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Um, I love Pastor Kelly, you guys can sit down. I love Pastor Eli, I've gotten to spend uh, time with them and I've been so blessed to spend time with them. What I love about Kelly is that she is a velvet dagger and um, so tender, so kind. Um, I trust her, Um, I trust her. So nice to have people in your life that you trust, amen? Feels so good, it feels so amazing. Um, And I also love Pastor Eli. Today when Kelly was preaching, um, Eli was praying. Like come on, like ladies, if you are not married, like that's it, that's just like, that's that's, that's it, yeah? Um, And so uh, what I wanted to speak to you about tonight and um, just like leaning into the Holy Spirit, like what I want to speak to you about tonight is the aim of your life, is the aim of your life. God has fashioned you to be warriors. God has fashioned you to be women of God, to be warriors, to be quivers, to be arrows in the quiver of God. Amen? And I don't know if you know this, but I just want to reaffirm everything that Pastor Becky said. My gosh, Becky Becky healed me night one. Like, this is like, honestly, like, I, like, you guys, just so, church planting, the whole deal has been so difficult. And night one, like, I just feel like she sliced it open this morning. Like, Pastor Emma just, like, stuffed it with goodness, and Kelly stuffed it with goodness. I'm going to sew it up tonight. And so, um, and so, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited for what God's going to do. Um, but... They talked about the idea that we are at war. (laughs) And I know that it might not feel like we are at war, okay? But on September 1st, 1939, the United Kingdom and France declared war against Nazi Germany. And for eight months, nothing happened. They called it the Phony War. For eight months, they went to parties and they hung out with friends and they went shopping and they went and got groceries and they were at war. And so they'd have moments probably where they were like, we're at war, yeah? Even though it doesn't feel like that. For eight months until the day that uh, Nazi Germany invaded France and then all h loose, amen. And at that point, World War II opened up. I say all this to say that what I believe, I believe this with all my heart, the moment that we as a like body of Christians are living in right now is we are at war and it might not feel like it, but it's not always going to feel that way. And so I want to speak to you about the aim of your life, about the purpose of your life, And so when it comes to the aim of your life, does it feel like you are hitting the mark with what God has called you to and what God has designed you for? Are you hitting the mark or does it feel as though you are a little bit aimless? God says in Ephesians 2 that he has created you on purpose for purpose, that you were designed for his, uh, that you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so does it feel like with what God is asking you to do with your life that you are hitting that mark or does it feel like you are missing and you are feeling maybe aimless. What I want to propose to you, I love our Jesus, is that he is in the business of defending the aim of your life. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John 8. It says this, It says, uh, they went each to their own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple and all the people came with him and he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women, so what do you say? And they said this to test him, that they might find some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and he wrote uh, with his finger on the ground. As they continued to ask him, because they didn't stop, he stood up, he straightened up, and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to cast a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin. No more. God is protective over your call. And so, um, I know we already prayed, but this prayer is for you, so bow your heads. Holy Spirit, God, I ask that you would speak to us about the aim of our lives. I set myself aside. God, I just thank you that I get to, to be here tonight. And I thank you. God, would you just use your word to penetrate their hearts pray that we don't leave here the same. I pray you seal up tonight everything that you've been doing by the power of you, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so in sixth grade, um, how many of you loved sixth grade, hated sixth grade, loved sixth grade? I don't know, okay, it's a mixed bag, okay. Um, in Colorado, right, I know, because it's right around the time that you're um, finding out that boys exist, but it's also around the time that you're starting to get body odor, right? And so it's awkward. <laughs> Right, it's like different. And so, um, and you know, you're just trying to get through the school year without looking stupid. But we had something in Colorado, it's called Outdoor Lab. And I don't know if y'all have it here, but for a week, as sixth graders, we went up to the mountains and we stayed in cabins. And um, it was incredible. It was, like, amazing. And we learn about the trees and about wildlife and about, like, just, it was so amazing. And then you got to take electives. And so you got to choose, am I going to, you know, study topographical maps, or am I going to study geology, or am I going to study archery? And like any 11-year-old, I was like, we're going to do archery, <laughs> right? And so, so me and a bunch of my friends, we get together, and we're heading to archery class. And there was a college girl there. Her name was Katie. I remember her name. And she was incredible, and she was teaching All of us how to shoot a bow and arrow. So, so what she did is we'd line up in class, and all the kids. I mean, we're eleven years old, right? This is our first time. And um, as you would uh, guess, we'd like aim, right? Like we'd go for it, and and most of the kids that very first day, right? Like the 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 arrow would go off to the right, or it'd shoot off to the left, right? Or it'd go, it'd miss the mark completely. It'd go below, right? And it hit like you know the haystack underneath. There was a kid in my class. Now, I remembered uh, him from our bus route. His name was Jedediah. And when we would drop him off at his house, um, his house was one of the most, you know, kind of broke down, you know, poor homes on our, on our bus route. And every time we'd drop him off, there would be cars in the front yard. And I remembered one time distinctly hearing people yelling, you know, and we'd drop him off. And Jedediah was the kind of kid that showed up every, every day to school and he had holes in his clothes, and he had holes in his shoes, and he was you know, the one that didn't smell right. And he was the one that more often than not, like if lice broke out in our school, they blamed it on Jed. You know what I mean? And so Jed gets up there, and as he's getting up, you can tell he's excited to go for it, right? And immediately, like, you know, the boys start howling, and they're like, oh, Jedediah, I hope you put more holes in that target than are in your shoes, man. You know, like, oh, Jedediah, like, good luck, right? And I just remembered, like, his, you know, and when you're 11, you don't know how to stand up for people, or at least I didn't. And his whole body just kind of slumped. And I remembered him, like, just not even caring, right? Like, getting his bow, getting his arrow, like, not even caring where it went. And the bell rings, and it's time for lunch, and we all take off, right? And so we all took off to go to lunch because it was, like, pizza day. We were like, yeah. And Katie said, Jedediah, I want you to hang back. And all the boys were like, oh, Jedediah," You know what I mean? And we all go get our brownies and our pizza. Those brownies in the cafeteria, what is up with those? They're so good. Right, like we went and got those. And like we forget about it, right? Like we go to bed that night, we wake up the next day, and you do the same thing the next day. You go back to archery class. So we all go back to archery class, and again, all the kids line up, and none of them got any better, right? Like we we're it's like shanking to the right, it's shanking to the left. And Jedediah gets up there, it's finally his turn, and there was like, I, just re- I distinctly remember this. He walked up, he grabbed his bow, he grabbed his arrow, he pulled back, and boom! I mean, it was just like that. And little did we know, But for three hours that afternoon, Katie sat with him and taught him, for three hours trained him on how to hold a bow, how to hold his stance, how to pull back and how to let go. And he learned two things that day. Number one, how many of you need this? He learned the confidence that his life can hit the mark. But number two, number two, he learned that in this life, people will defend him. And I don't know if you know this, but in Scripture, God is called our great defender. He is called Yahweh Sabaoth. It means the Lord of hosts. It means he goes to war with his angel armies to defend me and to defend you. This is his name. Psalm 59 says this, my God, my strength, I'm looking to you because God is my defender. My God loves me. He goes in front of me. He will defeat my enemies. Psalm 18 says this, How I love you, Lord. You are my defender. The Lord is my protector. He is my strong fortress. My God is my protection. With him I am safe. He protects me like a shield. He defends me and he keeps me safe. I call to the Lord. He saves me from my enemies. Praise the Lord. God is in the business of defending you even when you miss the mark. Completely. Completely. It says this in John 8. Now they each went to their own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and they sat down and taught. And the scribes came to him, the Pharisees, and they brought a woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women, so what do you say? And they said said this to him to test him, that they might have a charge to bring against him. So the Pharisees, at this point, Jesus is gaining popularity. For those of you who are new to church, welcome. I remember finding Jesus when I was 18 years old, best thing in the whole world. But Jesus, okay, he's starting to gain popularity. He's preaching, he's healing people, actually healing people, okay? And as he does so, the Pharisees are hoping to squash his movement, right? And so they find this woman, we don't get her name, but according to scripture, she is caught in the act of adultery. And it says it not once, but it says it twice. And while some of us may not be able to relate with the reality of being caught in the act of adultery, um, none of us uh, can not relate with the emotions that this woman is feeling in the moment. Because she is ripped from her home, she is thrown before a set of people, and she feels exposed, she feels humiliated, she feels afraid... She feels demoralized. And I don't know what 2020 was like for you or what this pandemic has been like for you, but I went from a place of feeling like I know kind of like what my security is. I think I know like how the world operates. I think I know um, what's normal. But then March of 2020 happened, and it was like the tectonic plates of the whole earth shifted. I could no longer count on the government to behave the way that I thought it would. I could no longer count on my neighborhood to be the way that I thought it should be. Like, I don't know what this last year has been like for you, okay? But for me, it was like being ripped out of my home, feeling a loss of security, and feeling like demoralized, afraid, and exposed. This is this woman in this moment. She is caught in the act of adultery. Not only does she, hey, they scored a goal. Oh. Go. Right? Did they do that here? Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Go abs. Just kidding. Um, I'm from Colorado. I'm so sorry. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, not only do you feel a loss of security, or at least that's what I felt, but in this particular instance, and I believe this is so true, there has been an uptick in spiritual warfare. Believe it with all my heart. And so there's an uptick in accusations And so not only are we experiencing a loss of security, but we're also experiencing an increase in accusation. Revelations 12 says that the uh, devil is actually the accuser of the brethren. It says that he goes before God, this is the enemy of your soul, the enemy of my soul, he goes before God day and night accusing us. Day Day and night, day and night, day and night, he accuses us before God. This is why sometimes before your head can even pop off the pillow, you have an accusation in your head. This is why you wake up and immediately you you remember a past mistake. You remember a betrayal, something that was said about you that was untrue. And it just repeats in your head. And while we can't understand what this woman was feeling, maybe being caught in the act of adultery, there isn't anybody in here who can't relate with the idea of being accused and accused and accused and accused until you bow down to the smallness being spoken over you. So she gets tossed in front of a group of men. And they're like, what do you say, Jesus? Because this whole thing is about trapping Jesus. But like she's a prop. And when it comes to the enemy, it's the same thing. He hates God, and the way that he is going to strike at the heart of God is by trying to compromise the thing that God loves most. And so Jesus, as we would expect, he goes to defend her but he's not just defending her from the accusations of what she did. He is defending her from the accusations of who she is. See, conviction says you did wrong, but shame says you are wrong. And in this moment, Jesus isn't just defending her past infractions, he is defending her future impact. Can I preach for a minute? Can I preach for a minute? Did The word sin in the Bible, The word sin in the Bible, we find it a number of times. We find it in uh, Romans 13, it's the word kakos. It means bad. Um, In Matthew, in the book of Matthew, it's paneros. It means evil. Okay, in the uh, book of Romans chapter 1, it's um, esebus. It means godless. I think this describes our society right now. Um, But then there's this word hamartia. Everybody say hamartia. And it means to miss the mark. It means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. And it means that you hit anything but dead center. That's what it means. And this is the word that they would use in uh, Greek. um, Aristotle would write a Greek tragedy or they would write a Greek tragedy and it was an error in judgment that led to an overall downfall in life trajectory. This is what it means to have hamartia. This is why Paul writes and he says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so sinning, My city is not just when you gossip or you steal a bag of chips, it is when you do not live up to the way that you have been created by your creator that you would hit the mark. That you would hit the mark. This is what God says about you and what God says about me to fall short of the life that he has for us. And so I learned a ton about archery like as I was studying for this. Um, Number one, man, Korea has great archers. I learned that they stand perpendicular to the target, that their shoulders have to be low, and their elbow has to be high. And when they pull back, I can't do it with this one because it's a kid's one, but when they pull back, they pull back all the way to their cheek, and they release. The other thing that I learned was about the importance of an arrow. And an arrow, um, and this one, I was actually investigating it. It's not quite straight. But it's important that an arrow is perfectly straight and that it's perfectly strong. And the reason why is that it has to withstand the bow. In other words, that it has to be strong enough and straight enough to withstand the instrument that's going to launch it into the atmosphere. In the Greek language, okay, um, every, every Greek word, okay, is either male or female, okay? It has a, it's gender specific, so the word for table is male. The word for arrow is female. And it says this in the book of Isaiah 49. For the Lord called me from the womb. He made my body and my mother and he named me. And he made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me, thank you Jesus. And he made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. God foreknew you from the time that your mother was pregnant with you. And he is praying that you would be an arrow into the heart of humanity right now for the sake of his kingdom, and for the sake of his church, and for the sake of his gospel. God's purpose for your life is that you hit dead center. And so if I'm the devil, my whole goal is to compromise this, and I do it by accusing you. I wasn't planning on telling this, but Pastor Becky said to get personal. Probably three years ago, I'm like living my best life, working at like a mega church in Denver. And I had um, a leader in my life speak some like intense accusations over my heart. And um, for me, it was like so psychologically damaging. I I like couldn't even operate for a couple of years. See, accusations are so intense. Accusations are from demonic activity. And so you wake up, and the way that they compromise this is by saying you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not steady enough, you're not old enough, you're not young enough, you're not good enough, you're not bold enough, you're not quiet enough, you're not feminine enough, you're not masculine enough, it doesn't matter. Like, whatever it is, like, you are not enough. And so they say, Jesus, you know what the law says. They're standing around her like a herd of accusers. And they're like, you know what it says. What do you say, Jesus? And this is what the Bible says. It says, but Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. So very quietly, he begins to write on the ground. And scholars debate about what's happening here. Some people say that he's writing down the names of the accusers so that they know that he knows who they are. Some people say that he was writing down scripture that had to do with that specific sin. Other people say that he was writing down the sins of the accusers. But regardless, here's what we know, is that Jesus bends down and it gets really quiet, and this is the only time, or not the first time, this is one of the many times in Scripture we read about a God who stoops down. It says this in Psalms 18, or I'm sorry, Psalms 113, it says, who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look in on the heavens and on the earth, the triune God, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, he sits enthroned, and yet he stoops down to look upon us. I don't know about you, but this says everything that I need to know about my God, that he is full, that he is mighty, that he is kind, that he is so powerful, that he is capable, that he is good, and yet he stoops down to look at me and to look at you. See, we don't know what he's saying in this moment, but do you know what He's what's happening in this moment? We don't know if he's writing sins down. We don't know if he's writing names down. You know what's happening? Is he's getting on her level and he's meeting her in the middle of her missed opportunities, her broken dreams, her broken arrows, and he's like, I see you. Like, I see you and I'm here with you. Then the Bible says that after a while, it says he stood back up. I love this, it says, when they kept questioning him, he straightened up. And he said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped to the ground and he wrote, on the ground. Sometimes we read scripture with a sanitized lens and we don't see the body language that is happening here. The Bible says that Jesus straightened up. He is bowing up in this moment. I think sometimes we've got this very like like manicured version of Jesus where he's got these like flowing locks and blue eyes and porcelain skin, right? And he's staring off into a distance, right? He is like white and unintimidating, right? Like, and that's just not him. He was a carpenter. He would flip over tables in the temple and then he was beaten within an inch of his life and he carried his own cross up to Calvary to die for me. And so this is the God that I serve. And the Bible says that he straightens up. In other words, he stands between her and her accusers and he's like, if you're going to get to her, you have to come through me. You have to come through me. This is the God that we serve. Rocks start hitting the ground one by one. Rocks start hitting the ground. This is the God that we serve who stoops low, church, when we miss it, who comes low to meet us in our missed opportunities, who comes low to meet us in our regret, our fatigue, our pain, our sadness, our wounds, our hurt, our mistakes, somebody else's mistakes. And then he's the God who straightens up to realign our aim. But then it says this, So Jesus says this famously. He says, daughter, he says, look around. He says, does anybody condemn you? He says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. He is inviting her in this moment for the first time in a long time to get up and to survey and to see out. Like to see out. He is inviting her to look around. He says, does anybody condemn you? She says, no, no one. He says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. You can't even condemn yourself. And when Jesus says, now go and sin no more, listen, he is not telling her, now go and live a life of religiousness and rigidity. He is telling her, go, you are free now to hit the mark. You are free now to hit dead center with what I've created you for, with what I've designed you for. Now go and sin, No, go and hit the mark. My city, what you need to understand is that when Jesus died, he did not just die for your mistakes and for the areas that you fall short. He died for a life aimed wrong. I am so convinced. Years ago, um, he died for a life that's ineffective, unfruitful. Years ago when I would start to pray, um, and this, I'm letting you into my world, so don't judge too much, okay? Um, so I would like, I'd pray before service, or I'd pray even even before this service, I'd pray in the front, or I'd pray for my children, pray for my husband, like, um, I'd see myself and I'd have a sword, it might sound cheesy, I just need you to come with me, okay? I'd see myself with a sword. Um, sometimes when I'd pray, I'd be bowed before the Father and I'd have, I'd be in armor sometimes i would have a bow and arrow sometimes i'd be running and i'd be like slicing heads off of things like for real (laughs) Um, for years and years this is like what i would see when i would pray and in 2017 i saw um, a movie that you guys are familiar with and it spoke to me i'm praying i'm praying i'm praying it speaks to you and so watch this ready I have guns, right? Fire! Fire! Come on. I'm not afraid of If everybody in here can stand. I don't want, that might have been a little intense for you, I'm so sorry. (laughs) We don't battle with humans. Humans aren't the enemy. But we do battle against principalities, powers. Like Pastor Becky said, it is war. Like, I like get so emotional when I watch that. Like, um, I remember sitting with my husband. He's like, are you okay? I like had an out-of-body experience because for years when I would pray, this was how I saw myself. And I I don't think, I don't think God was like trying to like, pet my head or like make me feel good about myself. I think he was like, this is what you are. This is who you are. And I know in my city, you might feel weak, you might feel afraid, you might feel alone. Can I just tell you, like you are at war. There's children and children's children that we are set to the defense of. And right now I'm looking at this and I'm thinking of like, I'm thinking, the moment when like her mom like dismounts and like I like lose it cuz her mom's going to war like for her and in this moment this is the moment that you are called to and you might not feel good enough you not might not feel strong enough you might not feel bold enough you might not feel pretty enough old enough young enough it doesn't matter the war is coming in the spiritual realm And God wants you to hit the mark. Isaiah 49 says, from the womb he called me to be an arrow concealed in his quiver. So I have two questions for you. My first question is this, with every eye closed and every head bowed, is that if you are in here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he came low, he left his throne, to save you, not just from your sin and the ways that you make mistakes, but from a life aimed wrong. If that's you in here, I'm gonna count to three. I want you to really boldly put your hand in the air. Number one, Jesus loves you so much, he left heaven to retrieve you, to save you, to rescue you. Number two, the only way that you are going to live this life effectually is by his Holy Spirit. Number three, put your hand up nice and high in the air if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior. Praise God, praise God. Praise God. So, we're gonna pray this prayer and we're gonna say, God, thank you so much. Would you repeat after me? God, thank you so much for leaving heaven to retrieve me, for finding me, for saving me from my sins. I know that in you I have the Holy Spirit. I have a purpose I have a hope, and I have an aim. God, I thank you that I get the Holy Spirit in the here and now, and that I get heaven forever. In Jesus' name, amen. My second question is this. Amen, you can clap for them, I'm sorry. I got saved at 18. I stood up in front of a whole bunch of people. Let's go. Let's go. Number two, if you are in here and you know that God has set you apart for such a time as this, would you just raise your hand towards the heavens? God has an aim for your life. He has a purpose for your life. He died for it. He'll defend it. He wants you to hit it. Remember this tonight. Remember this tonight, city girl. He is in the business of coming low when you miss it, and straightening up to defend it. He is the king. Of- Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.